Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad to have you with me. Thanks for downloading this podcast. Thanks for letting your friends know about it. Thanks for sharing all that good stuff. It means a lot, and it will help keep this little thing going that we're doing here each and every weekday. All right, coming up on today's program, we'll, of course, break down last night's State of the State Address delivered by Governor Gretchen Whitmer, her first State of the State Address, in which... She outlined a lot of policy initiatives that she would like to see. Not a ton of detail. There never is in these types of things. But, of course, we heard about fixing the damn roads. We knew that was coming. We talked about education funding and making sure that teachers and students are valued here in the state. We talked about universal community college for those that want to pursue a higher education beyond high school. We talked about auto insurance reform, LGBTQ rights, lots of different things on the agenda last night. And, of course, the first question on everybody's minds is, how the heck are we going to pay for it? Well, that's one of the questions that we'll talk to Susan Demas of Michigan Advance about. She's going to be my guest today for this half an hour, breaking down last night's State of the State address. Stick around for The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thanks for being with me on this blustery Wednesday. Well, of course, we're going to spend some time talking about Governor Whitmer's State of the State address last night. My guest today is, of course, Susan Demas, Editor-in-Chief at MichiganAdvance.com a new news source taking a look not just at news coming out of the Capitol, but how it actually impacts people's lives around the state. And Susan, we always enjoy talking to you. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Oh, thank you. So Gretchen Whitmer, giving her first State of the State address last night. Um, let's just begin for style points. Uh, she was a lot looser up there than her predecessor in the office, that's for sure. Uh, she was very confident sounding, looked like she had a grasp of, of the things that she wanted to get to, and looked very, very comfortable in that spot. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is that Rick Snyder um, insisted on not having a speech written out. So you think that that would make him a looser speaker, but... In reality, he kind of rambled a lot. And let's face it, even his diehard fans never thought he was a particularly spellbinding speaker. Um, So Gretchen Whitmer definitely um, gets more on on style. But um, I I would say she gets more on substance, to be honest. I mean, I've been watching State of the State addresses for way too long. Um, (laughs) Most of them are a bunch of happy talk. You know, and and that wasn't just Rick Snyder with his relentless positive action. Um, you know, Granholm, Jennifer Granholm, the the last Democratic governor, um, excellent speaker. Loved to talk about how wonderful Michigan was, even though we were in the midst of a decade long recession. And you know, Gretchen Whitmer decides to take a different tack, kind of spoon feed some reality to people about our challenges in terms of infrastructure, education, and and most importantly, how hard it, it, it's going to be to pay for all of this and to really make a difference. Um, and that's something, frankly, pundits for years have been beating up on governors for not doing. And, you know, she went ahead and did it. Well, I, I do want to sort of Talk a little bit about it. it. Was it was not Trump's inaugural address, which was you know the America's uh, going to hell in a handbasket speech, but it also wasn't the the rosy optimism of Jennifer Granholm. You're going to be blown away either. She struck a tone somewhere in the middle. Did lay out the scope of some of the issues that we're dealing with, especially when it comes to education and road funding. 
And the clear message there from her was, look, we've been failing the state for a long time by try by coming up with Band-Aid solutions, not talking about what it's actually going to cost to repair these things. Is she laying the foundation for for a real tax hike that, that we're actually going to need to expect here in Michigan? Uh, I would not be surprised. Um, you know, uh, if you look at how much money the state has been bringing in, I mean, it's really been flat since about 2000, 2002. Um, and we don't really have a lot of discretionary spending in this state. And this gets very nerdy and very wonky. But most of the money that comes into the state is from the federal government. And that part can go up. And that's great. But that's usually dedicated for specific programs like Medicaid. We can't just go and say, you know what, schools need some help. Let's just take a little money from there and a little money from here and we'll call it good. Doesn't work that way. So, you know, in order to pay for better schools, so we stop being towards the bottom of the pack and our roads, which certainly are among the worst, if not the worst, you know, it takes money. I've run a business. You've run a business. Everything takes money. Um, and yes, that includes when you're running the government. And it's not popular to say, but it happens to be the truth. <laughs> At the same time, I'm listening to the pundits last night after the speech, um, and they all ask the same question. Well, how is she going to pay for it? How is she going to pay for it? As if a tax increase is something that is completely off the table, as long as the Republicans control the purse strings in the legislature. Now, interestingly enough, we're not going to know a lot until she outlays her budget. Uh, which is going to happen next month. We'll get some more details on what she plans to do with roads and education funding. Uh, but do you get a sense that there is going to be um, some recognition, at least, uh, that we can't keep doing things the, the way that we have been? Because the way that our taxes are structured right now, as you mentioned, they're flat right now. The gas tax that we put in is not generating enough revenue. Cars are getting better mileage than they used to. People are driving less. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that play into it. The way that we're structured right now is not meeting the needs. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the safe bet is to say that Republicans aren't going to go for new taxes and they run the legislature. However, it seems like we have already memory hold what happened under the last governor, a Republican, when he repeatedly raised taxes. Uh, and that, that started with his first his it, one of his very first actions in 2011. Yes, he cut business taxes significantly, and they will forever be grateful to him for that. However, you have to pay for that somehow. We're not the federal government where we can just keep running up debt. We have to balance a budget that's in our state constitution. Well, and it, so wait. I'm going to stop you for one second because there's one thing we didn't hear last night, and that was any talk of repealing the pension tax. This is something that both candidates ran on. Um, and, of course, I think the realization of, of the state's budget situation and the fiscal situation in the state maybe puts that on the back burner. Right. I, I think you're correct. And I think that will probably upset some people if she doesn't repeal it or if she goes for half a loaf. But in reality, um, you know, I think. We, you know, we have to look at what was done over the last eight years. And yes, there was a tax on retirement income. There was also uh, a bunch of um, little tax increases that you may not notice um, unless they affect you personally, like your child tax credit disappeared, your credit for giving things to charity, for your kid's college tuition. Um, all of those exemptions disappeared. Plus, the income tax, which was supposed to roll back after the big tax increase in 2007 under Jennifer Granholm and Republicans, 
Um, that actually never happened because Governor Snyder realized that he needed the revenue from that. So, um, and not to mention in 2015, all of our taxes went up with the gas tax, with user fees, uh, you know, your vehicle registration um, fees have been going up to pay for roads, but also other things. Um, so the idea that Republicans can never raise taxes is just not true. Now, will they raise taxes for a Democrat? That's a different story. <laughs> well, you know, let's let's talk about some of the things that she did outline that she would like to see happen. And and roads, obviously, we've talked a lot about um, in the past and, and we'll know more when the budget comes out next month. But I do want to talk about some of the education programs that she laid out. She painted somewhat of a stark picture about Michigan's performance when it comes to educating kids, saying that we have been failing our kids for a long time. The last several administrations have been failing children in Michigan. We keep seeing money siphoned off of the school aid fund to go to things like uh, community colleges, which she talked about last night. And some would argue that the education fund should be the education fund, regardless of the grade. But at the same time, she did give a shout out to teachers, recognizing that they have been taking the brunt of these cuts for a long time, as well as the students. Uh, Did she lay out enough of a vision for how she might want to do this? Uh, to improve the conditions for teachers because we're losing them in droves. We are. And, you know, if you know teachers, they're incredibly demoralized. Um, you know, n- not only has their their pay been flat um, over the last several years, but if you look at the actions by the legislature, um, they've really been treated as hostile entities. You know, um, they're bad teachers. They're, they're bad people in every profession. But um, all of the talk was on there are bad apples. They're to blame for why our education system is failing. Let's go after the teachers. And, you know, as a parent, I want happy teachers. I want people who want to be there and educate my kids and, you know, be kind to them and mentor them. And I think you probably um, catch more bees with honey than with vinegar. Um, and I think that was pretty short sighted. Um, I understand that Governor Snyder's perspective was school choice is the answer. Let's have more charters. Competition is good. It was a very business-friendly perspective. But, you know, charters have grown exponentially. We just did a story for the Michigan Advance yesterday, a, a big deep dive, especially into what this means for Detroit, you know, our, our state's largest city, where we've had the biggest proliferation. Um, has that made a positive difference on an individual basis, um, you know, you, you can say that there are some very high performing schools, but overall, you you cannot point to some great education successes in the last quarter century in Michigan. We just keep falling. And um, for years, you could not say the words, we need more money for education without being laughed out the door. Now you have a governor saying on television, we need more money. And, you know, frankly, it's it's pretty refreshing to hear. Yeah. And, and a nice, you know, I, I guess I, as somebody who's related to a number of teachers, um, you know, I, I have sympathy for their situation and I understand what they've been dealing with for the last several years. I, I still, you know, the budget's going to tell a lot. Uh, what's that per pupil foundation grant going to be? We don't know that yet. Uh, we did see a bump up last year, but this was after several flat years. So it has not been keeping pace with inflation. Our performance as a state has gone down at the same time. Uh, getting kids prepared to even go to community college, let alone a four-year college, is something that Michigan is struggling with right now. Now, I did like that what she was talking about yesterday in regards to two years, a guaranteed community college for everyone in the state of Michigan, uh, a laudable goal for 
both those that want to go into the trades or even get their first couple of years before going on to a four-year institution, uh, that would make Michigan sort of unique. I know she was trying to do a couple of things to make Michigan a more competitive state. This seemed to be one of them. Uh, the other would be LGBTQ rights. We'll talk about that in a bit. But did you get a sense that there was any sort of momentum behind this idea for Universal Community College uh, within the Republican caucus? Because they were sitting on their hands, but I did see some claps. Well, you know, I think she was pretty smart in just uh, not just having a narrow focus where let's give people scholarships to go to four-year universities because that that's not an option that every person wants to pursue. Um, and there are a lot of in-demand careers where you need technical training. And, um, you know, we certainly have a lot of job openings. So, um, you know, people like Governor Snyder, and there are many Republicans, they talk endlessly about the skills gap and about the need to speak to people who don't want to go to college and their opportunities. That's what she did. So um, I think there should be a way for both sides to work together on it. But, you know, we'll, we'll see because, you know, as we keep talking about, all of this takes money. Well, yes, it all does take money. There's, it, it's, we got to figure out how to do this in a different way because what we're doing so far isn't working. There did seem to be some universal recognition to that, that, you know, we, we've got to change some things up because not everything we're doing is working the way we would like here in the state. Uh, the talent gap is a big part of this. Attracting talent, keeping young people in the state was something that was discussed. But I think one of the things that sends a message, especially to tech companies and, and uh, you know, venture capital firms that are maybe out on the coasts, um, is Michigan's stance on LGBTQ rights. Uh, she came out flat yesterday and said, we need to update Elliot Larson, period. The Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act in the state. I didn't see any cheers coming from the, the Republican side of this on this question because there's that religious freedom question that I know is li lingering over this. Uh, but do you get any sense that there might be enough people on the Republican side uh, that would sign on to something like this just to make Michigan seem like a more welcoming place? That remains to be seen. But I will say this. Um, the polling is very, very clear that the the Republican lawmakers who sat on their hands are completely out of touch with the voters in Michigan and with voters in their own party. There is majority support in the state, strong majority support to have a non-discrimination law that includes LGBTQ people. And that includes Republicans, independents, Democrats. So, you know, you have a you have elected officials that aren't representing even the people who sent them into office. And um, that is a, a, a division that at some point is going to bust wide open. And I think where the rubber hits the road is the business community. It is highly significant that the Grand Rapids Chamber of Commerce put out a statement lauding Whitmer on this. Um, if, if you are losing businessmen and women in Grand Rapids on the issue of equality for the LGBT community, um, I, I think this issue is done because this is not Ann Arbor. You know, Grand Rapids never will be. So um, I would think that there should be some soul searching on the Republican side of the aisle on this because it is affecting our competitiveness. Young people do not want to come to a state that is unwelcoming. Um, they will go to Minneapolis. Even uh, Minneapolis does not have better weather than Detroit. No, it's 30 <laughs> below there probably today. Right. But they do have gay friendly pol policies and placemaking policies. It's a welcoming place. And that's what Michigan has to be. 
Our guest right now is Susan Demas of MichiganAdvance.com. Stay with us. We'll continue the conversation in just a minute on The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor, and The Trip, wise relationship advice with hosts Megan Slattery and Tracy Evans. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. I should remind folks, my guest right now is Susan Demas. She's the editor-in-chief at uh, Michigan Advance, which is a new news source, relatively new news source, covering all things that happen here in the state of Michigan, focused very much on politics and policy, which is sorely needed in this day and age. Uh, Susan, you know, in the wake of Flint, obviously, and and of course the PFAS contamination that we're seeing at, at numerous locations around the state, uh, the issue of clean water is once again something that has Michiganians' attention. And I use the term Michiganian. She gave me the choice last night. Um, <laughs> I don't like Michiganders. Never have. I don't know why. I, that's my preference. But you know what? It's your show. It is. It is. Well, that's all right. Like I said, they both work here. I, I don't discriminate. Um, but getting to this, this is something people are, are taking seriously again. And, and Michigan has always had a reputation as being sort of the stewards of the Great Lakes, the largest source of fresh water in the world. Uh does she have some momentum on some of the changes she wants to make to the DEQ based on what we have seen? When we have seen people not paying attention, bad things happen. Are people going to be paying more attention? And are they weary and leery of basically fox in the hen house types of bills that we saw in the last administration? You know, I have to say I was fairly surprised that Republicans decided to start a fight with Whitmer over her executive orders reshuffling the uh, department that oversees our environment and our drinking water because you know I, I think it's it's rather obvious to everyone that the last governor who was a Republican and, and had a Republican legislature did not come off very good on these issues. I mean it was an international scandal in Flint and PFAS is rapidly becoming a very serious problem in many, many communities. So you would think that this would not be the issue to get on the wrong side of. But the real sticking point is that Governor Snyder um, went and created some panels that were very, very business friendly to oversee environmental regulation. That's been on the wish list for business groups like the Michigan Chamber of Commerce for years. Um, They hate the DEQ with a passion, um, whereas many people would say not having enough regulation may have caused a problem with Flint. They see things quite differently. They think DEQ is oppressive and they would like to have oversight. Um, With her orders, she got rid of those panels and you had Republicans see red and the House uh, voted to override and the Senate could do the same. Um, Politically, I don't think this is a fight they can win, but if they have the numbers, they can do that. Well, I didn't understand it either. I didn't think there was anything necessarily wrong with letting the scientists be in charge of the science around the environment. Uh, she made some strong statements also about the impact of, of uh, climate change on the state of Michigan. Not a lot of response from the Republican side once again. I mean, you're not expecting them to stand up for everything the new, newly elected Democratic governor uh, says. But at the same time, uh, there still seems to be a real political rift on policies that are going to make the state uh, friendlier. Uh, when it comes to environmental uh, environmental issues, environmental justice, uh, these are things that need to be addressed. Cleanups, alternative energy. We've already got the utilities on board. What's it going to take to get the state legislators rowing in the same direction on this? 
Yeah. I mean, you, you saw that Republicans were not having any of the discussion on climate change. And, you know, we really are an outlier in the United States with our conservative, uh, our, our conservative party, the Republican Party, um, having the stance that climate change isn't real. Um, there are conservative parties all over the world. Um, and in other countries, this just isn't an issue. How you get there, um, how, how much cost there is, these are all debates. But the idea that man-made climate change isn't real, this is not a debate in other places. So it's hard to solve a problem if you can't agree with settled science. And and frankly, that's where we're at right now in Michigan. And we're not alone. Um, other states and, and we as a country are going through this as well. But if, if you look at some of the reports about what's going on with um, the Arctic ice shelf and with rising sea levels and temperatures, um, we really are running out of time. And as home to 25% of the United States is fresh water, this is going to hit us extremely hard here in Michigan. I, you know, I'm skipping about just a little bit. I want to go back to higher ed for just a little bit. I, I like the fact that Michigan, the Michigan governor put in out there a stated goal as to how many, what percentage of kids should have either a degree or something post post-secondary education, 60% by 2030, I think was the yeah. goal. And that's not, I mean, it, it, we're at what, 45% now, I think she said something along those lines, which is, which is well below a number of other states, even in our own region. Uh, attainable, not attainable, what's it going to take to get there? And, and uh, do you think that she's going to have a, a plan laid out to do this uh, come budget time? Yeah, we, we definitely do lag behind other states, um, certainly with four-year degrees, but, you know, um, even with um, other forms of post-high school education, and that's definitely hurting our competitiveness. So that's an ambitious goal. Um, I, she has, you know, laid out some paths in terms of scholarships and training programs. Um, you know, a lot of this is modeled on what they've done in Tennessee and had some success with. So at least there's a concrete model to point to. But, you know, once again, broken record, this is going to cost money. And are Republicans willing to spend it? That's always the question. <laughs> Absolutely always the question. You know, that was a uh, that was one of those things that she put out there it reminds me of, of Mayor Duggan. Vote for me based on whether or not the population is growing. One of those things that opponents can point to and say she didn't accomplish this. So that's why politicians are reluctant to put goals like that out there. Uh, however, I, I think she's got two red lines. The other one, of course, is fixing the damn roads, right? And right. There, there doesn't seem to be any agreement yet as to how this is going to get done. Everybody's got some ideas, uh, but this is, I mean, it's a tough issue for her to take on. It's got to be done. And I think there's a recognition by everybody that something has to be done, but I don't think there's even a recognition as to where the problem is. Rural legislators like the system just fine. They get probably more money than they need replacing roads that are in decent shape while we crumble down here in Southeast Michigan. Right. And, you know, when you look at the staggering figures that are thrown out, like over $2 billion more than we already spend is needed to really fix the problem. I mean, you know, that's not chump change and that has to come from somewhere. Um, and, you know, of course, even if a plan is approved, uh, these roads aren't going to be fixed overnight. I mean, we frankly don't have that kind of manpower. So, um, 
you know, even under the best of circumstances, this is not going to be a quick fix. And, And certainly in the world of politics, there are no quick fixes. Everything takes time. That's why, you know, policy analysts will always tell you, spend money on on the front end. It's a lot cheaper. You know, don't wait for the roads to crumble. Don't wait for school test scores to go down. Invest at the beginning because you're going to pay way more in the end and people will suffer. But nobody likes paying more in taxes. Um, Sometimes we make debates a little harder than they have to be. Um, Politics is what it is. But um, I think we have reached a point where people just are so fed up. They want a solution. So the idea that we could go through the end of the year with no compromise on this issue, I, I think is not really politically tenable for anybody. Right. Yeah, let's let's hope it's not our version of the wall. Uh, one last thing. There was one issue on which everybody stood and applauded. Uh, and of course, that was on the issue of auto insurance reform. I'm sensing momentum here to get something done. I don't think anybody agrees as to what actually needs to happen at this point in time. How confident are you that this is something that will be brought up? Because this one has been a sticky wicket for as long as I can remember. I, I remember them fighting over the same stuff back when I was covering the Engler administration in the, in the mid-90s. You've got very, very entrenched special interests that like the way the current system works. The status quo makes them very wealthy, whether it's healthcare systems, whether it's trial attorneys, whether it's the insurance companies whether it's the catastrophic claims fund, there is a whole lot to untangle here and nobody's going to like getting their ox gored, but somebody's going to have to take a haircut here. Do we have any idea where that's going to be yet? You know, right now you have legislation that's been introduced in both chambers, but it's about as broad as you can get. It's basically, we're going to do something. We're going to lower rates. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, the governor did not offer any more than that last night either. Um, you know, if there's one issue that's been hanging out there for decades that nobody has been able to make a dent in, I would say it's this one. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those perennial issues. We're going to get the votes. It's going to happen lame duck and it never does. I mean, we just saw that a couple months ago. Um, but it is one of these issues where, um, you're probably going to need to get buy-in from very, very disparate groups. You know, the insurance companies have a very different agenda than um, victim rights groups. Um, They're looking at protecting car crash victims. But in the end, we do pay very high rates in Detroit. It's astronomical for a lot of people. Um, Certainly it it hurts competitiveness. Um, But I I think um, you really can't address this problem without acknowledging how people will be taken care of um, who need this sort of um, lifelong care. And that's something the insurance industry tends to poo-poo over, but I don't expect that a Democratic governor will. Well, one last one last point and, and question that I want to get to. I, I thought it was a nice touch at the end to introduce the leadership, talk about their families, the fact that they're having kids, uh, you know, uh, break the news for Garland Gilchrist that his wife is expecting, you know, but everybody seemed to enjoy that. I saw a lot of smiles, uh, a nice shout out to Brian Callie, which took place as well. Uh, that, that seemed to sort of ease the tension a little bit towards the end of the speech. Now, it's not the kind of thing that's going to make everybody sing kumbaya, but it does make a difference, doesn't it? I, you know, I think so. Um, you know, to be fair, I know Rick Snyder has has made similar efforts in other speeches, but you know, um, 
because he's an he's an old computer executive, the human touch was never a big part of his persona. You know, Brian Kelly, his number two, he definitely was was much better at coming off as being empathetic. You know, so when Rick Snyder would talk about people's kids, it kind of sounded nice and dorky dadish, but you know, it didn't really pull your heartstrings. And, you know, Gretchen Whitmer is is just a more emotive speaker. And I think, you know, she genuinely got some sincere reactions from her Republican counterparts, um, Mike Shirky and Lee Chatfield. You know, those those smiles seem to be genuine, um, as opposed to the tight-lipped look on their face when she said, don't go home for the summer without doing a budget. Um, they didn't seem to care for that very much. But, you know, in the end, it, it's very helpful to approach people as people. Um, sometimes that's missing in politics, but there are huge problems, huge ideological divides. And, you know, I don't think that's going to be enough here. But, you know, the the gesture, I think, was appreciated. Well, Susan Demas, of course, editor at uh, at MichiganAdvance.com, has been my guest today, breaking down the State of the State Address last night. Don't worry if you didn't watch it. We did. That's why we're having this conversation. We have to watch this kind of stuff every year. But, Susan, uh, what should people be reading on your site today besides, of course, your coverage of last night's speech? Well, we also did um, uh, have a reporter who was at John Dingell's funeral, you know, the the dean of Congress. The great um, event yesterday. Yeah. And so um, I think there were some pretty touching remarks from Vice President Biden. Um, and we, we have that in-depth look at charter schools, um, as well as an interview with the um, president of the Michigan School Board. Um, and, and her thoughts on the, the state of that board, finding a new superintendent, and of course, charter schools. So um, it, it's all at uh, michiganadvance.com. Uh, we're a free nonprofit news site. So, um, you know, obviously I'm here to encourage everybody to check it out. Well, I certainly appreciate you being with us today and the work that you guys are doing. And uh, we will talk more in the future, I'm sure of it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's going to do it for the Craig Folly Show for this Wednesday. Don't forget another show coming up tomorrow. And again, if you are just finding this for the first time and you're like, how have I not known about this? Well, part of that's on me. I got to do a better job marketing it, of course. That just takes resources. And resources come from things like sponsors. And so I'm working on that part of it too. And we're getting some traction. So that's kind of nice. And I'm trying to make it so it's not too obtrusive and you don't mind it. Uh, I'm trying to make it very public radio-ish. Because in public radio, remember, they say it's commercial free, but they have underwriters. We know how that works. Anyway, I appreciate your support. If you want to know how you can get involved or you've got a story that you'd like to pitch to me or an idea for something, send me an email. It's thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. Thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. That is the best way to reach me. You can send me your ideas, your thoughts, feedback. Of course, follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. Oh, I'm even on Snapchat, although I don't know how to work it very well, but I am there. Anyway, social media is a big deal too. And if you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. Let them know that we're back on the air doing this each and every day. Well, the interwebs anyway. We have a much bigger reach this way. We can go global. We're not just restricted to Southeast Michigan, depending on what we want to talk about. Anyway, also coming up Friday, Friday Follies. Plenty of stuff this week to talk about in the Friday Follies. Thanks for listening today. Have a fantastic one. And we will talk again tomorrow. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. 
Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. 